From the Fresno County Office of Education, this is the EL Netcast. My name is Emil Ahangazadeh, I work as the English Learner Programs and Instructional Support Coordinator at the Fresno County Office of Education. It's certainly my distinct pleasure to be your host as we take a look at some of the more frequently asked questions as well as some instructional strategies and methodologies relevant to the education of English learners. This netcast is going to be all about students with disabilities who are also English learners, you know, special education students and Section 504 accommodation plan students. The requirements in a student's IEP or Section 504 accommodation plan are federal legal requirements, and they take precedence over the provisions of Prop 227. That's the first thing I want to start off with. Um, If either plan calls for primary language instruction, then the student doesn't need a parental exception waiver to receive that instruction. State and federal law require that English learners with an IEP or a federal 504 accommodation plan continue to receive the programs and services that address the student's special needs, including linguistically appropriate goals and objectives. Now, at the at a at a minimum, instructional and linguistic services have to include the provision of ELD, English Language Development, and full access to the core curriculum as specified in the student's written program or plan. What, what happens, though, if an IEP or a 504 accommodation plan says that no standardized tests are to be given? Well, an IEP is required to state how a student is to be tested for English proficiency, not if a student is to be tested for English proficiency. Uh, an English learner's IEP team can determine that the student is severely disabled and that an alternate assessment is to be used for all or any portion of the CELT or that a student is to be assessed with the CELT using appropriate accommodations or modifications. Um, IEPs have to list accommodations and modifications or alternative assessments for any or all sections, uh, listening, speaking, reading, or writing. The IEP teams should consult the special education accommodation modification matrix for California statewide assessments to determine the specific testing variations. And I'd be happy to forward that matrix along to you if you just send me an email through my website. Or you can simply check for the matrix at the uh, California Department of Education website. Now, there are many services and types of instruction that English learners have to receive when uh, following an IEP or Section 504 accommodation plan. An IEP or a 504 team has to determine which services are appropriate for English learners based on their particular disabilities and level of English proficiency. Regardless of services that are prescribed, though, English learners have to also receive ELD instruction. For ELs with an IEP or a Section 504 accommodation plan, parent notifications, administration of assessments, and evaluation results Uh, don't only need to be provided in English. Um, State and federal law continue to require that parent notifications for English learners be provided in the parent's primary language unless it's not practicable. Student assessments have to be conducted in the student's primary language, and if it's clear, or at least 
clearly not feasible or appropriate, then the student has to still receive a valid alternative assessment. The results of the assessments have to be presented to the parents in a language that they can understand. Again, uh, I would uh, direct you back to the translation netcast that I uh, provided uh, for you earlier, or you can take a look at CCR, uh, California Code of Regulations, Title V, Section uh, 3040B, as well as Ed Code 56320A. All instructional personnel are responsible for referring an English learner student through the locally adopted referral process if a disability is suspected. Parents can also request an assessment in writing. IEP teams have to determine whether an English learner student meets the eligibility criteria for special education and require special education related services in order to be, uh, well, in order to benefit from the educational program. A determination that the learning difficulty is not the result of a cultural or linguistic diversity should also be made. Students shouldn't be referred for special education solely on the basis that they don't understand or are limited in their ability to understand English. Actually, to do so would violate both state and federal laws, which protect the educational rights of uh, these children. All linguistic and academic services for English learners with disabilities that are described in their IEPs or Section 504 accommodation plans have to be provided by qualified teachers who have credentials that authorize instruction to students with disabilities and English learners. Special education instruction uh, must be provided by a teacher with both a special education and the appropriate EL credential or certificate, or by a team of teachers with uh, appropriate credentials. I thought I'd also cover just a couple of other questions um, and points about EL programs as I wrap up this first volume, if you will, in my EL Netcast series covering the programmatic issues involved with English Learner Instructional Programs, um, kicking off with the R30, or the Language Census, which is an annual uh, data collection on students with non-English language backgrounds. It includes data pertaining to English learners as well as fluent English proficient students, um, their instructional settings, staff who provide services to English learners, and other related information. Um, and, and I'm actually, I think I'm going to dedicate a, an entire netcast to all the questions that come up with the R30, like how do we report the enrollment of students who speak a primary language other than the languages listed on the first page of the R30 LC form, um, which students are to be counted on the FEP students in part one. Where do you record the number of English learners who are also specialized students, um, as well as you know, provide you with some instructional examples for services other than those defined in rows four through seven, which is a part two, section B um, of the um, uh, R30LC form. There's just a number of uh, specific technical questions that I'd be happy to address, but uh, probably shouldn't include in this particular netcasts uh, because not everybody's uh, interested in the, the particulars of the R30, but some folks, uh, particularly district personnel and some some staff at, at school sites are interested in some of these issues. So look, look ahead for my next netcast to deal with the R30 form. But another question that I wanted to cover in this netcast uh, has to do with uh, ELAC. 
um, and, and really, th- that is a huge issue onto itself. I just want to point out to you that district English Learner Advisory Committees, or DLACs, are required. These committees are required, and their legal responsibilities have not changed. If you are interested in following up on ELAC and DLAC, I, I refer you to California Code of Regulations, Title V, Section 11308. All schools are subject to review through the categorical program monitoring process, which will be the subject of another netcast that I'll do. Um, I do want to direct you to their website, however, if you want some immediate questions answered, specifically because our county is currently undergoing the CPM process. If, if you already haven't received technical assistance either from us at the county or from the CPM folks, you might want to dive onto their website, which is www.cde.ca.gov slash TA slash CR slash CC. The next point I wanted to cover is the the use of primary language for instruction in preschool for English learners. There, there are no statutory uh, provisions that address the use of primary language in programs designed for preschool pupils. Um, districts, unless required by the legal provisions of a specific funding source, they have the flexibility in deciding the use of instructional approaches that use the primary language as a medium of instruction or the objective of uh, instruction. It is not mandatory for English learners to attend zero period to receive intervention. Uh, Zero period is typically a before or after school program and is not state mandated. The decision to provide intervention in the form of a zero period is again a local decision. Intervention requirements for state monitored schools are also available through the Department of Education website. Again, you're Welcome to email me. It's kind of hard to navigate through the Department of Education website unless you know it quite well. Uh, but if you simply send me an email, I'll be happy to send you any of the documentation that I'm referring to um, relevant to any of my netcasts, actually. And lastly, I just wanted to talk a little bit about reading first. Uh, regardless of program placement, any English learner student can participate in reading first programs. Uh, the program is available in English. And as you know, has two parallel versions in Spanish. One is called Lectura and one is called uh, Foro Abierto. It should be noted that the goal of Reading First is to have students reading at grade level in English by the end of grade three. Well, that's going to do it for this netcast. Uh, tune in next time where I think I will address the R30 um, on our next netcast. If you haven't visited my website, I want to strongly suggest that you do. We have a number of great tech resources as well as just programmatic resources for teachers, students, as well as district coordinators and school site coordinators who uh, work with English Learner Instructional Programs. The website, of course, is www.fcoe.k, the numeral 12, forward slash English Learner. Thanks for listening.